Good evening, good evening, beautiful people. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you're tuning in from. This is the Five Head Five Cents Show. I'm your host, Captain Minor. Guys, I am super, super excited to be here. It's been a very long week. I don't know why it's been long. I think it's the weather, but it's been a long week. And <laughs> I'm excited as usual. This is my moment to unplug and relax. I hope it is yours too. And today in studio, I have a very beautiful lady with me. It was hard to track her and find her. So <laughs> you should be really, really excited that she's here with me. <laughs> she's a very difficult person to find now, but she's also been one of my very good friends and also my lecturer. But I am super, super excited to introduce Miss Yetunde. <laughs> I'm going to keep calling her Miss because, you know, when you have somebody as your facilitator <laughs> and lecturer, it's so hard to... I don't know, to get rid of the formalities, but if I call her <laughs> Miss, just know it's the respect I've had for her over the years. But her name is Yetunde. She's going to be telling you who she is <laughs> and what she's doing currently and what she's going to be talking to us about today. So, Miss Yetunde, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Margaret. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Yetunde. I, like she said, I used to be her facilitator. I used to be a member of the faculty at ALU and focus mostly on teaching and facilitating critical thinking, problem solving. Before that, I was in consulting and developing entrepreneurial programs for, you know, mostly African entrepreneurs. Um, today, we're going to be talking about black tax. This is a term not a lot of people might know, and some people might know it really well. I can already imagine some people going, yes, of course, I know this. I've experienced it. I've suffered. Oh, no. And some people thinking, oh, yeah, what is black tax? Mm -hmm. So we're going to discuss that today. And it's mostly around financial wellness. So if you're interested in finance, if you're interested in wellness, if you're interested in all things, you know, money, then let's have a conversation today. Yeah. The first thing is sort of for us to break down what our understanding of black tax is. So mm -hmm. according to you, what is black tax? Because there's a lot of definitions online. Well, thanks. Well, I, to be honest, I actually didn't Google this. So, ha, this should be fun. So I hope I hope your listeners actually do posting what their definitions of black mm -hmm. tax are. I learned about black tax from my housemates. And a lot of them, well, all of them are from Southern Africa. So Zimbabwe, Eswatini, and Southern Africa. And so when they, they said to me what black tax was, my initial thought was, oh, this is a tax that black people spend, pay in their country because they're black. And the reason why somebody like me would think that is because I come from West Africa. West Africa doesn't really have a color hang up as much as the other African countries do because we don't have natives that are not black mm -hmm. in our countries. So when I first heard, I was like, oh, no, they're even charging you guys for your color. Oh, my God. And they're like, no, that's not it. But it's apparently that my from what I was told mm -hmm. is that this is the kind of expectation. It's a financial expectation of you when you have made it. So if your, if your circumstances, especially your financial circumstances, are much better than that of your family, your family will expect you to make contributions to their own expenses. So things like rent, school fees, clothing, housing, pretty much anything that requires money, you will probably be expected to contribute to that. Mm -hmm. And part of why this is becoming a bigger topic is because a lot of young people who are obviously getting jobs and looking for work and things like that, mm -hmm. just because it seems like you're your situation is much better than that of your families, the burden is growing. A lot of people are feeling that burden and a lot of people are talking about it because before we never really talked about it. I think it's just everyone sort of kept quiet about it. So 
people would be paying mm. this black tax, but no one will be discussing it or sharing tips on how to cope. And mm. so, yeah, that's the thing. It's the financial burden that your families would expect of you when you are, you know, financially well off. But you know, even sometimes it's not that you're financial well off. It's because mm -hmm. sometimes you're doing a little bit better than they are. And yes. And then there is this expectation that you have to help out. But then I think for me, my main, I know there are people who are pro black tax and people who are against it. Because for some people, they do feel some pride in knowing that they are helping out their families and they're, mm -hmm. you know, helping out in situations that maybe they were in a position to help out before, maybe because they were mm -hmm. at the same level with their families back then. But I think for me, I want to talk about where to draw the line. Because obviously it's not bad to help out mm -hmm. um, your family and to help out at home. But yeah. then when does it become toxic? You know? <laughs> We've been throwing this toxic word around. But <laughs> I mean, when does it become unhealthy? Let me use the word unhealthy instead of toxic. When does it become unhealthy? Um, that's a good question. So I believe, I guess this black tax thing... With, I, the term itself doesn't, it's, it's something that you have to bear in mind that it's not only unique to African families. A lot of people do, like the Latino families, the Asian families, even European families that are making these expectations of their children. Because like you said, there's a relative difference. If your financial standing is just relatively better than theirs, then the expectation is put on you. Um, when does it become unhealthy? Well, it depends on your financial goals. Since we're talking about financial wellness, a lot mm -hmm. of people seem to think that the fact that they have black tax is why they're not financially stable or independent. I don't believe that's true. Mm -hmm. And so like, for example, the World Bank said that about 33% of people, of adults in the world have financial literacy. So they actually make fi good financial decisions. 33% is not a lot. And I think that number is probably even on average in Africa would probably e be even lower. Mm -hmm. But thinking that black tax is the reason for why you haven't reached your financial goals, I'm not convinced that's entirely true because most of us don't even know how to manage money. Mm -hmm. And you not managing black tax just seems to be a problem of money mismanagement. Like either you lack financial knowledge or you are just terrible at making financial decisions. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm also a Christian and I have to give and help my relatives because I think it's somewhere in the New Testament, so it's like First Timothy or something, that says that you have to help your relatives. If you don't do that, you're basically an infidel, like you're an unbeliever. So you have to help your family. But on the other hand, it says that a good person leaves an inheritance for their children. So even parents who are expecting financial help from their children should be doing everything that they can to mm -hmm. help their children financially. So I feel like if you're already listening to these like Christian doctrine, both parents and children would be working towards being balanced. And mm -hmm. already that sounds like, a, a, that sounds like well, a recipe for you know wellness and balance. Because this conversation, this question of black tax is it good or bad, it's more of a balancing act. There's no pro or against. Mm -hmm. It's just if you have certain financial goals, if you know, you have to find a way to meet it. And find basically having to help your family isn't terrible. Maybe, for example, you it's not your job to provide a life that your family is not accustomed to. So if you are just earning basic entry level you know, an income, like a basic income, and you want your family to f fly first class or fly private, 
that sounds like a bad financial decision, (laughs) even if they're asking for it. So if they're asking for it, that doesn't mean you say yes. So like a friend of mine mentioned earlier to me today is Mm -hmm. learning how to say no very nicely. So managing black (laughs) tax. No, teach me how to say no nicely. It's learning how to say no. Yeah, it's important to learn that no part. But before you even get there, first Mm -hmm. you have to look and be very realistic about your own financial status, where you are. What do you have? So this is the importance of financial literacy. You have to understand your income. You have to understand how you spend it and have a plan for it. Mm -hmm. And then later as you're going on, you have to understand how to grow it, how to protect it, and even how to borrow. Because, you know, we also talk about the dreaded debt, but you also have to manage this. So this is where your financial knowledge comes in. You have to understand all of these levers that relate to your, you know, the status of your money Mm -hmm. or your assets. Mm -hmm. Then when you think of black tax, think of black tax probably around the spending aspect. Like I personally, what worked for me, because I used to struggle with, I, I wouldn't call it black tax because I was just inc- ridiculously generous. I would give unsolicited, unsolicited help. If somebody needed help, I would, you know, give it out to the point where I was running out of money before the end of the month, before my next paycheck. And then I had to borrow money from thankfully very generous friends and family. So they mm-hmm. had the black tax from me as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had to repent and say, okay, well, this is not working out because then I can't be running out of money every time. And so learning to say no nicely, first, you have to have a plan for your money, whether it's 100 rupees or 300,000 rupees or whatever it is that you have, you always have to have a plan for your money. That meant I even had a plan for my giving. This is important. So if you know that you're giving a specific amount, so let's say you're, 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 you're trying to give tights and offerings and whatnot, whatever you're giving, you have to know what exactly out of your income you are willing to give. If it's 10%, I typically give around 15 to 20%. Sometimes it goes up, but usually I try to stay in that space. And that's just because it works for my own income. Then you have to now learn to say no light nicely, which is if it's not important, I definitely do not give for burials. I do not give for parties. <laughs> I know I'm laughing and I know this sounds like ridiculous, but we're Africans. And if you come from the part of the world I come from, parties are a big deal. Parties are, we make this joke that if you ask um, an Ijebu person for money for school fees, you won't get it. But if you ask for money for a party, ah, uh, yeah. You know, and it's something that you you see all like a lot of times, I think if we examine, maybe I would also like to hear from your from the listeners, Mm -hmm. what kind of requests do you think you hear? There's some that is really important. There's always the, you know, maybe the medical bills or helping with rent or the bill, you know, utility bills. Those things are important. But even then, if you can't afford to give more than what you're given, you have to say no. And you have to do it gently. So it's like, ha, oh, I'm so sorry, but I can't. I really, really can't. But you live in Mauritius. Yeah, and Mauritius is expensive. <laughs> so it's having first, if you don't have a plan for your money. So if you, for instance, think, oh, I earn 3,000 rupees a month. Mm-hmm. You're not giving 3,000 rupees a month. That's something you have to be very clear about. The question is, how much are you giving? If you want to give 300, Fantastic. So if somebody calls and says, hey, um, cousin of my second great auntie's mother, friend, whatever, I heard you're in Mauritius and I need some help. Can you send me an iPhone? What are you going to do? You look at your budget, (laughs) figure out who is this person and why are you asking me? 
and then just gently and firmly say no because you have a financial goal so for a lot of people i feel like we don't really have financial goals like i i i made a very quick list of if you want to make if you want to be financially independent the first things you have to do is like have your emergency fund have some sort of money that makes you relaxed so that you know that okay yeah. if i don't have an income for like six months to a year i'm okay and an emergency fund could be anything right for instance as a student since you're young your students you're about to graduate so you'll probably be thinking about things like grad school applications mm. if your laptop broke can you replace it or fix it those kinds of costs that's an emergency cost because you'd have to borrow mm -hmm. money or ask yeah. someone Exactly. That kind of sum. So if you think about it, maybe, for instance, repairing or replacing a laptop would be like $400. So your first goal would be to have $400 sitting somewhere that you would only touch in an emergency. Mm -hmm. So when you're again saving up for that step, when someone calls you and, oh, no, we have to go to I desperately need 100 rupees. If it's not in your budget, you have to say no and you have to be firm. You'd be nice, not rude or, you know, impolite, especially if it's elderly people, but you have to be insistent, mm -hmm. you know? Yes, sometimes it can be hard, but I've noticed that a lot of times if you set yourself on fire to keep other people warm, well, you're done for and they will yeah. find someone else to ask for help, yeah. you know, because you're not irreplaceable. Mm -hmm. So that's really the key is two things, having a plan for yourself, your financial plan, knowing, okay, this is what I want to get to and this is how I'm going to spend my money and then the second thing is how to actually prioritize to say no to certain things like for instance even my mother i never say no to my mother and sometimes she would come to me with i want piano lessons <laughs> and you're like let's think about it that's also another way to say no you don't have to say no immediately especially if it's older people but you still have to learn to say no because they can't keep you know sucking you dry because if you completely are dry and you're completely ruined you are not irreplaceable and that's something i had to learn that they either have other children or other people or suddenly that super important thing that they were asking you for mm -hmm. isn't actually important because they're like oh okay then she died then let's not ask for it anymore okay that was really morbid but you get my meaning <laughs> yeah, I get it. but i want to discuss this in um i think we might be speaking from a point of privilege a little bit of privilege yes. yeah and I would like to acknowledge that. But then I would like to give a scenario even to our audience. So, for instance, mm -hmm. a lot of African communities are very communal, right? So mm -hmm. it's a whole community of people taking care of each other and pushing, um, you know, themse whoever they can push to a certain greater height. And I want to give a scenario mm -hmm. of you've gone through school through the support of your entire, like your entire family had to sort of chip in Oh, like, let me just even give um, one of the very common scenarios. I know this happens mm -hmm. a lot in Kenya. When, say, for instance, one of the children in the family, it could be in the neighborhood, in the community, whatever, gets into, say, a university abroad. And a lot of times they can get a scholarship or a partial scholarship, but then yeah. they need, say, flight money or they're living, so they do a harambe. I don't know what they call them in other countries, but in Kenya we call it a harambe, mm -hmm. where people come together and give, a certain amount of money for the person to be able to travel. So now you've traveled, either you've gone abroad for a job or you've gone abroad for school. 
Mm-hmm. And then they start calling. I mean, they're the ones who helped you leave um, the <laughs> leave the country. They're probably the ones who helped you pay your final fee or they're the ones who gave you the application money and such things. And they start calling with all these requirements. And I think a lot of times, actually, that's how it plays itself out. But I would also mm. like to hear from our audience, in that kind of scenario, how do you handle this? <laughs> well, for a very long time, I didn't do anything. I gave in to the point where I said I had to borrow from other people to help out these people because of guilt and obligation and whatnot. And then I had a very interesting conversation with, um, it was in a youth group and the guy who was so, you know, talking to us, he was saying things about, basically he called it witchcraft. Mm-hmm. When people use guilt, <laughs> there is no debt. And I think that's something we all have to remind ourselves that yes, to whom much is given, much is expected. This is true. But when your family helps you, this is actually what families are supposed to do. They're supposed to help each other out. Like, you know, we talk about how Christians show love and things like that. This is literally what we do. We're supposed to be helping ourselves. So there isn't a debt. Just because, you know, like I, I heard it all the time. My mom sometimes would say things like, I have given, I didn't bring forth for trouble. So all these things I'm investing in you, you have to kind of give it back. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess later we all learned that that's not true. There's no debt. And if you hold it over someone, especially your family member, you are practicing witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you could probably say that they're being witches and wizards in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, so it's for us, up to us to focus on you have to stop thinking that you owe them anything. No, you don't. You have to, you know, yes, you're trying to be better. Yes, you want to help people where you can, but you have to also think about your own well-being. If you are not well, if you're not recharged, if you're not, you know, financially stable, you can't help anybody and it's not helpful for anyone, you know, because like I said, if you died or something happened to you, financially or even physically or whatever, well, they will just find someone else to go and bug and bother. So you have, and it's, it's, of course, it's very difficult and it comes with practice. But mm-hmm. the first step is to think about what your own financial goals are. And like I said, in a nutshell, it's if you're thinking of financial independence, the first step is almost always, do you have some sort of emergency fund? If something breaks, you don't have to go into debt for it. Then the second bit is, do you have what we call runway money? And I'm picking, I'm borrowing this term from entrepreneurs because sometimes when an investor gives you money, they say, this is a runway for two years. You'll have this money to be able to do whatever you want. So in your case, do you have that runway money? And that's how you can break down your goals. You have to first think about your goals. So you stop prioritizing other people's. Mm-hmm. You are not indebted to anyone, especially your family. Families help each other. But then when you're clear about your goals, then you will have a plan for your own finances. So whatever income you have, I am a Christian. That's what dictates my lifestyle. And I'm, I'm encouraged to give. So naturally, I put giving in my own finances. When I'm making a plan for my money, I make a plan for this is how much I'm going to save. This is how much I'm going to spend. This is how much I'm going to give. And in that giving, I'm also trying to be, again, very, very, very careful about who I give and what I give for. I will not give you money for a party unless I can actually afford to just, okay, young person or whatever you need it, sure. But I always prioritize things like I give to widows who don't have help. I give towards school fees because I know that if you, you know, succeed in your education, chances are you become independent and you never ask me for money again. 
I give money for if you need help with your business, that's always very interesting. But again, you have to have a plan. And like I said, if you're earning 3,000 rupees, you're not giving all 3,000 rupees unless you have a death wish, a financial death wish, you know, you probably go, okay, I'll give 300 rupees. And in that 300, again, you've got to be careful. So you have to act like a VC. You ask questions. So what is this for? What are you doing? If you're trying to buy data so that you can flex with your friends, no, that's not money you're going to give. It's for important things. And again, when that 300 runs out, oh, I'm so sorry. And stop thinking you're indebted to anyone. Stop letting anyone practice witchcraft on you. No, just no. Um, and I want to talk about what the reality of the situation is for people that live abroad. Because I know, mm-hmm. I know there's also the expectation of if you're still in your country and you get a job, mm-hmm. but a lot of times you can hide. You know, when you when you get a job, you can go to a different town and people never have to know where you're living, what you're doing. True. So I think locally, if you're just in your country, it's very easy for you to just, you know, just, you know, act like you're also struggling and I don't know, just... Of course. Know, nobody knows what's going on. But the moment that everybody knows you've gotten on a plane and gotten abroad, yeah. then there's this sort of expectation... Um, I think mm-hmm. there was someone who made a joke last week talking about abroad and overseas. So there's a mm-hmm. difference. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, guys. You are from the audience, you have to tell me what the difference is between. I'd like to know too because it's the same. Being overseas, apparently it's a thing. I don't know. Someone from Cameroon said um, oh. that it's a thing that when you're abroad, okay. um, it's like you're studying. You've not yet made it. Like you, you're just you're just abroad. You're living in a different country. But if you're overseas, okay. then yeah. <laughs> a significant person but i want to talk about what the reality is for people living abroad i don't know you have lived abroad right mm-hmm. so what's the reality of life abroad well the reality is for most so here's the thing i went abroad on a scholarship so most of my studies was paid by other people and other institutions which was fantastic for my mother because she didn't have to pay anything for my education which is great um so when I obviously started earning an income because I'm that person, I need to eat, I need to you know, earn something. So from day one, I think I started, I don't want to call it hustling, but I used to do like all kinds of businesses. When I was in England, I was doing hair, I used to braid because I used to, I was quite good at it. So I would charge a little bit and whatnot. So I was, I was, I was making quite a little bit of money on the side. And you look at it and you're like, oh my God, hundred pounds. And then you convert it into Naira and you're thinking, Ooh, I'm rich. No, you're not. You might be rich in Nigeria, but even in Nigeria, you're still not rich because 100 pounds doesn't do anything. It doesn't pay rent, nothing. But you have to be very realistic about what your money actually does. So the realism of being living abroad, and this is maybe the, the burden on you if, if you are abroad, mm-hmm. is to give a realistic picture to your friends and your family. Don't lie to them for heaven's sake. And this is probably why I hate how you use social media to flex. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people are showing, oh my gosh, I mean, look at Mauritius. Every part of Mauritius is like, you know, it's a beautiful scenery, which is great. It's very, very pretty. But I always like to explain to people, Mauritius is gorgeous, but it's also expensive. Like, Mm -hmm. I cannot tell you how many times I look at the price of cheese and I cry because I'm like, (laughs) it's so, it's like four times the cost. But that's the cost of living in Mauritius. So what we we have to keep explaining to people is that, yes, 
you might be collecting a lot more money, relatively speaking, than your family back home. But you have to spend that money in that country where things are expensive. The real headache, and I think is sometimes we all want to do that. We, we like to fall into that lure of looking better than you're really, you really are. You, you should stop trying to be ashamed of your circumstances. You know, don't despise humble beginnings. So even if you're a student and yeah, you don't have to broadcast that you're broken, whatever, <laughs> no. But when your friends are thinking that you're living large, no, you're not. You know, like if I would get a, again, like when I take pic, and this is probably why, again, I don't use social media because I'm not trying to flex. I'm just, I enjoy my holiday. I enjoy my things. And I don't have to tell other people because I also know that sometimes if just because you're, you look a certain way, people will never believe that you are actually trying to make ends meet. People will never believe that you are not better off than you really are. Things like that. So I try not to give any impression that might deceive anyone. It's not to say that you won't live your life and have fun, mm. but I don't have to broadcast it. So like you will never, I mean, my Instagram is terrible. So some of you, I don't even think anyone knows I have Instagram because I have zero pictures on it. And that's because I'm like, yeah, if I go on, you know, to Montchoisie and hang out on the beach, does anyone else need to know that? No, <laughs> like at all. Or when I was taking swimming lessons and I was paying for it, and someone was like, wow, so you're actually affording to take swimming private lessons. I'm like, yeah, but I had to save for it. And no, it's not as cheap as you think it is because, you know, and things like that. So it's being realistic and not trying to encourage false understandings of what it's like. And again, because I lived in Europe and, <laughs> oh God, guys, Switzerland is so expensive. Some of these countries are crazy expensive. But again, if you compare the income you're earning from there and you compare it to your relatives back in Nigeria or in your know, home countries, mm -hmm. everyone would think, wow, send me an iPhone. I used to laugh at those requests. I've had people ask me literally for laptops, iPhones, things like that. And I'm like, I didn't even have one. <laughs> Like, I, <laughs> oh, so you have to be very realistic. I mean, you explain to people what's going on. It's like, and even if you are living large, so obviously when a lot of you are going to get jobs. So when you graduate, you know, my first job as a consultant in Berlin, I was earning way more money than I ever thought, like I'd ever earned in my life. And it was fantastic. But I was, okay, Berlin wasn't terribly expensive, but I was still spending way more on rent and things like that than I would typically in any other place. So I had to be, again, quite realistic about how much I was giving, how much I was spending on myself, and also had to be not so stupid because a lot of us, like I said, were not financially, you know, literate. And so we make very bad decisions with money. So even if you didn't have black tax, the chances that you would still be foolish, you would make foolish financial decisions is very, very high. It's about 70%. That's really high. So I guess in a nutshell, I'm just encouraging you guys to not encourage false impressions, to be really honest and really realistic, not to the point where you're literally shouting, yes, I'm poor, yes, I'm broke, yes, I haven't reached my financial goals. No, that's not the song you're going to sing. But you don't need to sing that, yeah, we're living large. No, that's, that's, that's also wrong. So give a balanced view that it's great, but it's not great. Yes, I have internet, but it cost me this much. You know, things yeah. like that yeah. would be helpful. I want to talk about mm -hmm. the mental implication of black, the mental health implication of black tax. Because it's tough. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people like you don't want anything happening. You care about your family. So you obviously don't want um, bad things happening to them. And again, because you're not there, there's also you cannot see the reality of the situation 
if mm-hmm. your family back home back home calls you and tells you i don't know who has been kicked home for school fees don't know who's hey. sick are you going to start calling and asking for videos <laughs> obviously you're just going to believe them and then you're going to be worried and you're going to start going in debt to try and find mm-hmm. money for all this but i want to talk about what some what are some of the mental health implications of black tax mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yes you're right margaret it's really really hard and this is the other thing about you have to prioritize yourself and your well-being if your family is in trouble you're not wrong it does something to you you're going to be anxious you're going to be worried but is it really worth it putting yourself in a huge amount of debt i'm not sure it is because if you're broken well everyone no one no one benefits like you won't be able to help anyone you couldn't even help yourself mm-hmm. and that's the thing i'm trying to get people to prioritize is to not set yourself on fire to keep other people warm you have to do like you really have to be very 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 vigilant in how you look after your own self because finances is the second most um is the second thing that causes a lot of people worry it breaks relationships yeah. it puts you know students are up at night because after like for a student for example after worrying about exams money is your next biggest worry yeah. you know so this is extremely important and you're right it does affect your mental um, well-being but because a lot of us are not trained on how to look i mean this whole show is about improving people's wellness because a lot mm-hmm. of us don't know how to do it we don't know how to cope with stress and so i'm not saying it's going to be easy it isn't but you will be able to cope with these kinds of stresses better when you start to prioritize yourself and like we said earlier it's really about saying no you have to first have a clear goal what you're trying to achieve and bear in mind it's usually just for a while most of us our income is going to increase as long as we don't make crazy financial decisions we will probably do well mm-hmm. gain knowledge like some i remember asking someone If you had 100,000 naira, do you know how to increase it? Like how to double it? And the person stared at me for 10 minutes with no answer. And I'm like, "You see, you don't actually have you're not financially literate because you don't know what to do with money. You don't know how to grow it. You don't know, all you seem to know is how to spend it and even then you're not doing a very good job of spending it well." Right? Uh-huh. So for one of us, we we need to we need to figure like clear clearly understand mm-hmm. you need to look after yourself and i'm it's not easy even i sometimes struggle you know there are some days i'm like i'm about to make a funny decision and that's also why i put a lot of friction in how easy it is to give to give into this black tax so that it doesn't just happen or smash somebody calls i'm like oh um i'll get back to you let me think about it and see if i can make a plan and just making them wait sometimes you realize it's not as urgent And yes, terrible things happen. I mean, my mother had a surgery that cost us a lot of money. Like we had to pull our savings, we had to get, you know, friends and things like that. I'm thankful that we didn't get into debt, but it was hard. And it was very easy because I was about to put myself into debt for it, which is ridiculous because my mom was like, you know, so nurse brain surgery costs a lot of money anywhere in the world and it's mm. insanely expensive. And this is uh, what I'm trying to say is like it hap- it can happen to anybody in the sense that you will be asked things that will completely break you if you're not careful so you have to and that's why i was so grateful that we thought about like okay so we pulled some of our savings and we tried not to put ourselves in the problem of so we wouldn't be able to pay rent and things like that because i still needed to travel to mauritius i still needed to do other things and we were able to ask for help i did this thing and this is another tool that i've been very very enthusiastic about we call it adjo 
Some people call it susu and it's cooperative savings. It's a very handy way to pull, pull money together, especially in a, short, in a short amount of time. And just finding different financial instruments that would help you to not get into debt. And even if you did get into debt, the kind of debt that you could at least get yourself out of. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, you have to get knowledge. A lot of us have, we are woefully uneducated when it comes to understanding financial instruments. We don't know how to make good financial decisions because we don't have enough information. And then focusing on the fact that you have to look after yourself. Terrible things happen to your family, but sometimes you are not the Wonder Woman or the Superman of your household. It's not only on you to bail everybody out. You know, that's the thing about like, I know I was joking earlier when I said they're practicing witchcraft. It's not intentional witchcraft, but you can't, you're not the breadwinner of the family. Yes, you might be slightly better off. But once you kind of stop feeling that guilt, if we couldn't pay for my mother's surgery, she wasn't going to have the surgery. And yes, it would hurt a lot. And we would have to just live with it and support her in other ways. Thankfully, we were able to come up with, like I said, I've been, I was begging like crazy. I was like, Hello, church. Can you help us out? Surprisingly, churches were not as generous as I thought they would be. But thankfully, people helped out. Other people, like a lot of people pulled in and we were able to gather as as much funds as possible. So this is another thing. Sometimes we also have this inflated sense of who we are, which can damage our mental health. Because, you know, it it feels nice when people are asking you for help. It sometimes is like, oh, wow, I'm the big dog. No, you're not. Yeah, and it can be quite powerful. You know, there was a a friend of mine, she's Latina, and she was explaining how it just felt nice that people were coming to her with respect to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but at what cost? Like, look at you now. We're all in the same boat. We're still broke. So (laughs) it feels good, but no, you know, they shake you and 10,000 air will never fall out. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to guard, you have to be vigilant. And the guilt, the, it's, the struggle is real. It's not going to be simple. And it's, it's even harder when you're a student because then your, your finances are so little that sometimes I wonder if it really makes a difference if you gave anything. Mm-hmm. So it's understanding that. Yeah. So if, if you're not aware, if you don't pay attention to like how money works and what exactly is going on, expenses, costs, things like that, you get sucked in. You know, like they called you and said, oh, your brother has dropped out of school and he needs 300,000 rupees. Honey, where do you think you're going to get 300,000 rupees from? And then you go, okay, let me give you all I have. Why are you doing that? You know, it's better to go, okay, so, and I always tell people that 300,000 rupees is 300 people giving 1,000 rupees. So do you have the ability to find one, you know, 1,000 people who can give you this much. And when you start thinking like that, so it's problem solving in that aspect where you are guarding your own mental and financial health first and ensuring that you achieve your goals so that you solve a problem without killing yourself first. Yeah. That's the key. And it's not exactly, I'm not going to lie, it's not, it's really not easy. And you might want to feel, you know, fold under the pressure but always put your financial goals in mind. And I will have to keep repeating it. The first step towards financial independence, if you don't have an emergency fund, you can't be giving anyhow. If you don't have runway money, you really cannot be giving anyhow. And if you don't have money later for investments, because money needs to grow, inflation is a thing. $1,000 two years ago is not $1,000 now. So all of these steps, you have to have that in mind. And that would affect how you spend, how you try to earn, how you try to protect your money. And so keep that in mind first. Have your financial goals clear in your head. Write it down if you need to. Like do what, you know, the Bible kept telling the children of Israel, write this down. 
write it down, keep it in front of you so that next time somebody calls and says, hey, I need data, you say, oh, me too. Once you start, and again, it's, it's about prioritizing. So first, you know how much you have within you to give. Just because you're earning $4,000 does not mean you're giving, that doesn't mean you're giving $2,000 either, because that sounds a bit insane if you're giving half of your money away this used to happen. I used to pretty much give everything. Once I paid like rent and I was just like, oh, because you feel bad. And it's that, you know, guilt and indebting feelings or whatever. Um, but once you kind of, you have to make a plan for it. So if you know that you're earning $4,000 and you're giving maybe $500 or whatever, because again, you should help your family. Why not? You should. Like I received help. Other, a lot of us received help because I mean, this continent of Africa, most of us are like six degrees is probably too far. We are not more less than six degrees for away from people who genuinely need support. Some people don't earn enough for anything. So we all need to help each other, but it can't be at the cost of your own financial well-being. That's the key thing you have to bear in mind. And how you maintain your financial well-being is keeping your goals clear in your head. I really like your mom. I really want to be this lady because she should she should keep telling the people around her. You know, because not everyone's going to listen to you, even when you say this is what I have, because just saying you earn two thousand dollars sounds magical to some people. So it doesn't matter how you break it down. You might not get through. And so don't look for the external approval. Just convince yourself where your goals are. Make sure your goals make sense because it's trying to get you somewhere. You have to be better off than you were before, but you still have to help. And then within that help, be realistic. You might not, as a student, you can't build a house for your family. Heck no, you don't have the income, however you slice it. But you can maybe help with maybe an electricity bill here and there, or if you can contribute to health. Ins- like you'll know the, the limit to which, and as you earn more, you could probably give more. But don't go to the point where you're completely breaking and then you're in debt. And that's the thing about the black tax. A lot of people are complaining because they're drowning in it. But I always say the problem isn't black tax. The problem is you don't know how to make financial decisions. You are not prioritizing your own financial well-being. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of millennials and a lot of us, even Gen Zs as well, I guess this new group of um, generation of people, we don't know anything about money. We don't even know how to spend it well. Like you think people know how to spend, but they really don't. Mm-hmm. Like they don't. And like, I will forever remember this thing that I read. I don't even know if he said it. There's this rapper called Jay-Z. He doesn't really rap anymore. I think he's, he's retired, but whatever. Beyonce's husband. And he said, if you can't, you can't afford it if you can't buy it twice. And that's something that sort of stuck me. I was like, oh, that's true, actually. If I can't give more than what you're asking, I really can't afford to give you. So you have to be very, very mindful of the kind of help. So before when I was a student, of course, I cannot pay school fees unless it's like, you know, 100 Naira type of school fees, which doesn't exist. Um, Now that my income is a little bit bigger, I can afford to, my, my giving budget is a little bigger. So that's good. But even then, it's not everything you ask for, I'm going to give you. If you ask me to give you an iPhone, that's a thousand dollar phone. Why do you need an iPhone? I can't give that to you. Things like that. So you have to be a lot more vigilant and it's not simple, but prioritize yourself gain knowledge about finances because it's one thing to say I prioritize myself but then if you don't have knowledge you will still perish because Mm -hmm. you know people perish for lack of knowledge you need to gain knowledge on how to protect yourself how to you know even say no nicely because in some families it's not just to go mommy no or auntie no you have to understand and figure out okay maybe I should say maybe 
Maybe I should say, okay, wait a little bit. Let me try and then come back and go, ah, actually, I've looked at the budget. It really isn't possible. Mm -hmm. So you have to gain knowledge on how to say no and how to make plans for your own money. And this part, I think the making plans for your money is like all over the internet. Just Google budget, saving, you know, how that's easy. Yeah. And so, um, so we have a lot of people are talking a bit and... I'm mm -hmm. going to give people an opportunity to ask Miss Yetunde questions because I think we've covered almost <laughs> everything that we okay. meant to cover uh, during the show. This is the scary part. So because we have a few more minutes left, we're going to go on a very quick break, just one song. Okay. And I'm going to give everyone in the audience an opportunity to just ask Miss Yetunde questions and then we're going to try and answer them. I'm going to start with God's question. So a lot of people have heard you talk about financial literacy. And <laughs> I think this is also one of the biggest concerns that I have had in my life. Sometimes I have okay. saved money. I'm very good at saving. I think my mother's yelling at me work. But let me tell you, before you snap your fingers, let me tell you what I did. <laughs> so I could okay. save up to like, um, like 80,000 Kenya shillings. That's around $800, right? But then I could spend it within like a week and that's it. Like... And I can't account for where the money has gone. So a lot of times I save, I save. And you know, there's this thing where you save. I like when I see, this is something that really makes me happy. When I see big figures on my account, I, it makes me so happy. So I strive to always not spend and, okay, I spend. I'm very extravagant at some point, but then I also like saving. Yeah. But then the thing is, I don't know what to do with that money. You get what I'm saying? So... I save it. I keep saving and saving and saving. A lot of times, if it's maybe I need uh, some, maybe I need a new laptop, a new phone, and whatnot, I've probably already saved and gotten them, right? But then I have this okay. money that, well, it's not my emergency fund. It's just my savings. But I don't know what to do <laughs> with it. And I'm going out to ask God's question. So um, he's asking, how do we choose investments in school? Oh, that's a good question. Okay. Um, let me tackle your question for us around basically the problem that you're having is that you just have a lack of financial goals. You're just saving for the sake of saving, mm -hmm. which is great because most people, a lot of, well, not most people, but for a lot of people, the hurdle is even to start saving. Some people just cannot do it. However you try. So the fact that you can save is great. Now, the thing is having a plan for the saving is the next step. And this is why, like I said, my strategy, because I wanted, I want financial freedom. I'm not quite there, but we're getting there. And if you have an emergency fund, fantastic, that's great. Because for your own stage, whatever an emergency will look like, you have the means to overcome it. Wonderful. Then your second step, so now that you have that, well, mm -hmm. if you're heading towards the goal, because my, my goal was I don't want to worry about money. And to, in order to not worry about money, the last stage is that I have assets and in, you know, um, investments that are making money back for me so that inflation will not catch me for any reason. Because even if I save a million euros, well, in 10 years, a million euros will not buy what a million euros used to buy because money now is always better than money later inflation. Mm -hmm. Do you see? And this is what I mean by knowledge. So you have to have like, you know, goals. What do you want to do with that money? Because if your plan was to blow it in one week in a fun shopping mm -hmm. spree, that was why you were saving and that's okay, you know? But if your plan was just to have it for the sake of having, well, no, <laughs> that's not how it works. Okay. So I can give you a, like my list was the first step is have an emergency fund. So I hope you guys are writing this down. Mm -hmm. Then the second list is to have either six months to one year of saving. So we call that our runway fund. 
get out of debt. If you are in any kind of debt, this is the time to basically pay it off. You don't pay your debt first and then get your emergency fund. No, get your emergency fund, then have your runway money and get out of debt. Or you can, you know, that part you can tweak. Then the other part is now you have to start saving for investments. Because again, I used to meet people that would basically invest with everything they had. Do you not know that investments is basically gambling? The difference is the investor can afford to throw the money away and he will still be fine. That's what it is. Like, so I was very confused how someone would tell me, yeah, I, all my savings went into this mutual funds and I'm thinking, so what are you, how do you eat? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So your savings, the goals of savings, especially if you're heading towards not worrying about money is you have a short term savings that gets you out of trouble because prob I promise you there will always be trouble. There's health troubles. I had some dental surgery that cost like a thousand dollars and I was so upset, but thankfully emergency fund kicked in and that was great. And you know, if my laptop broke now, my laptop costs like 2000 something dollars. And I'm just like, what if it breaks, you should have an emergency fund that covers it. So please bear in mind that as you get older, your emergency fund will probably get bigger. Yeah. Exactly. Your runway fund will also get bigger when you were a student, maybe 3000 rupees a month was enough. So for you, a runway is 3000 times 12. That's what 36,000. So about a thousand dollars. Ish. I mean, it depends. So yeah. it depends on your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But like, if you want to have a runway fund, you're telling yourself, okay, I need at least 30,000 rupees somewhere sitting. If anything happens, and like if you lost your student job or you have to go on an internship or whatever, you can afford to not worry about money for a few months. That's the thing. Then you start saving for investment. So again, your investment talk, and this is where we can now tackle his question, mm -hmm. comes after you have those two things, because those two things, your emergency fund and your runway fund, give you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. They're the things that you're like, oh, okay, I'm fine now. Now we can gamble because investments, like I said, are gambling. That's really what it is. You're trying to grow. It's like you think of yourself as a farmer. You put the, the, the seed in the ground. There is a chance it will not grow. The seed will rot and die, and that's the end of that. And you have mm -hmm. to try again, or it will flourish and wonderful, or the birds will come and eat it, and then it disappears. So this is what investments is. You put money in something, and you're expecting a return. Things happen. You know, People lose investments all the time. And so as a student, to be honest, there are not very many investment vehicles for less than, for even $1,000. I'm not going to lie. It's actually pitiful. I hate to say this to you, but it's pitiful. And as a student, when I was a student, my investment vehicles and financial instruments was not savings accounts because I'm sure you guys in Mauritius, any, actually look at any savings accounts in the world. If you put your money in a savings bank account, the return per annum is usually less than 1% yeah. per annum. Yeah, that's like, true. that's ridiculous. What, do you know what 1% means? If you put a thousand rupees, Okay, let's use dollars because maybe most people can think dollars. If you put $100 in a savings account, at the end of the year, they will give you not $1. Actually, yeah, that's it. $1, $1. at the end of the year. $101 is what you will make. Wow, that's pitiful. <laughs> so that's depressing. So when I was a student, and this is something I started pretty early, the excess money I had, I was a, when I was in secondary school, I used to sell iced cold drinks to my, to my friends in boarding school because I was in Nigeria. 
and you know electricity is not a thing and people like cold stuff and so there was that and then I had this partnership with this other girl who would bring like you know stewed meats and things like that so we had this deal going so this is where the entrepreneurship vehicle comes in and a lot of us like to talk about entrepreneurship in this Silicon Valley talk, which is why I never call myself an entrepreneur because I'm not trying to go on Twitter. In fact, Twitter is banned right now in Nigeria, so whatever. Um, I'm not trying to go on social media and be like, yeah, listen to me and my time management skills. I'm an entrepreneur. No, I'm a businesswoman. I'm trying to make money. So I look around and look for problems and solve it. When I was in, in Nigeria, I was basically selling stuff to boarding, boarding, you know, students in boarding school. When I was in England, I was making hair because a lot of, and I was in like the whitest parts of the United Kingdom. It's the South, it's posh. It's, I was the only black girl in my village and somehow convinced these people to braid their hair for 50 pounds. I am not serious. And so I was making money from doing that. Like I looked around, everyone would be like, oh my gosh, your hair is so lovely. It's so gorgeous. I was like, oh, I can help you. And I would do that. When I got to Germany, Germany had this great thing of having a lot of the shops closed on Sundays. So I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this, but Sundays there's nothing open. And so I and a couple of friends, I literally moved in, didn't speak any German, but I was like, ah, Tino, you speak German. Ha, fantastic. Let's see if we can sell snacks and stuff to students on the times when all the shops are closed so we got some money from student union and we basically started our own copy shop that's what we called it because we had an old copy machine right next to us that we borrowed and never returned and used to make you know copies for students like handouts and slides and lectures and things like that and that's how it basically provided a little steady source of income for the you know all of my university years mm -hmm. so I think if you're trying to invest as a student, especially when you have small amounts of money, think of petty businesses. You have to be good at understanding profits and loss. Again, this is where knowledge comes in, but at least we're asking the questions. I'm sure all of you already know it now. Like if you're trying to solve a problem, you have to ask the right questions. Mm. That's how you get to understand it, what it is. But if you, unless you have like thousands and thousands of euros, Things like mutual funds, stocks, and I don't even like talking about stocks because, again, a lot of it is a myth, but we can unpack that feeling that I have later. But for most of you, the petty business vehicle is probably the way to go because people almost always need something. I like food and logistics businesses. That's what I've had the most experience is what I understand. But, you know, some of you are great at beauty. You can provide something so that hundred dollars that you have can buy equipment maybe not all equipment i'm sure margaret your equipment costs more than a hundred dollars but your income your investment savings you can put it in things around you like solving smaller problems and then as it starts to grow you can find other bigger you know vehicles so as a student i wouldn't recommend you buying any kind of stock because you know I'm not, I'm not, and even the cryptocurrency wave, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's like Forex trading. You have to be very good at it and you have to be, you know, oh, that's another story for another day, shall we? <clears throat> yeah. But I think um, Gan has gotten his answer for that question. I think, yeah. I think, I also think the petty business is the way to go, but I think a yeah. lot of times it's very scary because you're not sure if, the money you're going to put in is going to come back. And I think the one thing yeah. that I've learned is you have to put in money that you're willing to lose at the end if it doesn't work out. 
So I think that's that's this girl part. is smart, guys. You should listen to her often. It's true. That's why you don't start investing until you cover your ground rock, your yeah. emergency fund, your runway fund. That's it. Your investment fund is the gambling money. That's the risky money because there's no such thing as a sure thing. You know, and I had to learn that. That's why I didn't understand people who were giving away. I'm like, why are you doing that? Because even the mutual funds, who said it's 100%? It's not. Enron, all these disasters that we hear about, don't people realize that it's other people's monies that they lost? Like in this 2008 financial crisis, where basically you walked into the bank and all your savings disappeared. In my country, where once upon a time, some banks will just suddenly close. All the money you put in there vanished. <laughs> so it's like, Right. So your investments, you know, we have to start thinking about bedrock. And that's even why you also have to be careful which kind of financial institutions that you use. Don't do your research. We have to be a lot more informed and educated. Um, but like investment money is the risky money. That's the money that you're willing to throw away. So please, if you don't have an emergency fund and you don't have any kind of runway that gives you peace of mind, don't try to invest like that's not not that's not the time to do it and nobody's saying you have to have like a year's worth of experience of, of expenses it doesn't have to go that far three months or whatever but just enough to give you peace of mind so that you can now go okay i have like 50 dollars or 100 dollars. how do i grow this money aha now we're ready to do that don't do that but don't invest before you have an emergency don't ever ever do that you will just cry because you don't know if you'll be lucky you might not be lucky yeah I think all the other questions were mostly around investment. I think a lot of people <laughs> want to know nice. what to invest in. But don't worry, guys. We're going to be talking about that, I think, either in the next show cool. or the final one of this month. We are definitely going to be Excellent. talking about uh, investing, saving, and managing your money. Because last, mm, last week we talked about um, the craziest things we've done to make money. And this, <laughs> well, this month... <laughs> This week we've talked about uh, we've talked about black tax, which is one of the ways that your money actually gets spent. Yeah, it is, and it's one of the compelling ones because it's so close to your heart. Yeah. You know, it comes from family. It's mm -hmm. that guilting thing. But like, let's just keep reiterating it. You are not indebted to anybody. You're not even your mother who gave birth to you. You do not owe her anything at all. Yes, you have a duty to help, and it depends again on your religion. I'm a Christian, so I know I have a duty because it says. Otherwise, I'm not a Christian, <laughs> but I cannot do it at the cost of killing myself. So remember that you can help, but not at the cost of your own financial well-being and your financial health. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and then you invest when you are sorted, please. So yeah. let's 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 learn those lessons now. <laughs> well, what I do, I I've, so I think it's just again be very very clear about your financial goals like you need to be fine and the one quote i keep reminding myself is to not set yourself on fire to keep other people warm mm -hmm. that part is essentially the core of all of this is that you have to be well you know when you're in the in the airplane when you're flying and they always tell you if the oxygen masks come on and you have to wear your own mask before you help other people mm -hmm. because if you're not fine how dare you try to help someone when you're pretty much broken mm. so don't set yourself on fire make sure you look after yourself first nobody's saying you should be selfish let's not like you know go crazy and be like oh self-love i'm gonna be super selfish no but you have to be realistic in how much you can actually help so make sure you 
prioritize, understandable, sit down today. If nothing else you do is make a plan for your own financial well-being, a very smart goal. Think about your own financial goals. What plan do you have for yourself in terms of financial wellness? What should, how do you feel? How do you want to feel when it comes to financial wellness? And then make a plan for it. Is it that you decide to never give? I wouldn't recommend that because like I said, everyone should help each other. But then think about how you want to give to other people. Like this black tax thing is not going to go away. And I think we just have to embrace it. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just there. It's tax. Maybe that's why it's called tax because you always have to. I pay so many taxes. I pay federal tax. I pay state tax. Oh, I hate taxes. But it's there. (laughs) And once you embrace it, then you make a plan for it. And that plan is clear about what financial goal you are going for. Then your next step is to get knowledge because now you know the issue, ask the questions, how do I do this? How do I you know, become better with money? How do I make sound financial decisions? How do I even say no to some of these black tax requests? Because that's also quite key. Um, you know, as a student, you hear all kinds, oh, we need this, oh, we need your, your cousin needs to travel, oh, we need data, we need you to help with application forms. How do you say no? Or how do you become innovative enough to help out without it coming from your own pocket? That's also something you have to bear in mind. But solving all of these problems comes with first being clear about where you're heading to for yourself. So do not set fire to yourself in order to keep to keep other people warm. Look after yourself. Constantly learn about, you know, financial literacy. And because, like I said, knowledge is power. You will perish if you do not know anything and you don't want to go there. And yeah. Guys, I'm so glad you had me on this. I love talking about money. I love talking about financial independence because I have suffered and I don't want other people to suffer yeah. the way I did. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Michelle. You're welcome. Wise. I think I have learned so much. I, I never knew of the runway fund. I just had my emergency okay. fund and then I was living off vice. <laughs> Oh, one thing, one thing I wanted to also keep him like give you as well. There's something I call it sinking funds, but I don't think that's how it's used. But you know how I'm sure some of you knew this when I was teaching guys and I was buying my my iPhone. It was probably the most expensive iPhone yet. (laughs) And you should also be saving for things that you want. So there's the runway fund, which is to give you peace of mind. Mm -hmm. But when you want to like have that holiday, maybe you guys want to go to a resort for the weekend sometime in the future or whatever, you can also have savings for that. That is separate from your emergency and your whatever. This will also prevent you from just saving for just for the sake of saving. If you have plans. So it's like, oh, like for example, if I wanted to buy the iPhone 12, I would need to put a certain amount of money for 10 months to get it. I'm not getting it, I promise. My phone has to survive six years before I think about, think about changing it. But like, <laughs> you can have plans for your money. So don't have a situation, don't ever find yourself in a situation where you're just, ex- like always have a plan for where your money is going to come from and where your money is going to go to. That's what we call budgets. When you have that clear plan, things get a lot easier. It's very interesting. Like right now, I'm trying to buy land, which is something I like to do a lot. But, you know, so you put money into that and that's separate from, you know, your car, your house, exactly, your emergency and your runway. So have, and you can have multiple things, you know, multiple pools of savings. So maybe you're, Margaret, you're trying to save for additional like equipment or you want to save for a holiday with your friends in some place that doesn't have COVID problems. I don't know where that is, but yeah. (laughs) 
things like that because now travel is so much more expensive. So just bear in mind that always have a plan for your money. Look after yourself, have really clear goals. And then that plan is to achieve those goals, you know, because then the black tax stops being a burden. It just becomes a thing that you do and that you can cope with. So think of black tax as this stress and stress exists. There's always going to be stress in your life. You have, for as long as you're not an orphan, or even orphans sometimes have family members around, like extended family members. Mm -hmm. This is Africa, for heaven's sakes. We always have somebody. Um, you will not feel that pressure. You'll be able to cope with it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, like I said, don't suffer the way I've suffered. <laughs> Just don't, please. Thank you so yes. much. We'll catch you again, same time, same place next week. Do have yourself a lovely, lovely week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>